Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. Well, the Reverend Dr. J. Hooper and I are doing a two-part series on James Baldwin today and next Sunday. Now, as I'll mention next week, I did have the pleasure to work with Mr. Baldwin a few hours late in his life, and I'll talk about that next week. But if anyone reincarnates the spirit of James Baldwin, I think, I think it's Jay. And that's one of the reasons I, I love working with him so much. Today, part one, we are considering James Baldwin's book, The Fire Next Time. The book was published in 1963 and is considered by some historians as the trigger of the civil rights movement of the 1960s. The book consists of two essays, My Dungeon Shook, Letter to My Nephew on the 100th Anniversary of Emancipation, and Down at the Cross, Letter from a Region of My Mind. The book's title comes from an African-American spiritual. God gave Noah the rainbow sign, no more water, the fire next time. Some of you have read that book, well, some back when it was published, and some read it in an American literature course or creative writing course or a black studies class. Some of you probably saw the title referred to, and you may have dug up a, uh, a paperback copy since those days, and some of you may have meant to read the book, but never quite got around to it. Whatever your relationship with the book, I invite you to do yourself a favor and read it or reread it. You will, I promise, be startled because it reads as if it were written not a generation ago, but yesterday. Part of that has to do with James Baldwin's pitch-perfect writing. He was a master of English prose style. And part has to do with the tragic fact that so little has changed despite all our hard work to change America. The great theologian Dr. Cornell West, one of Jay's professors, said this of James Baldwin recently. Quote, we live in an age in which everybody's for sale. Everything's for sale. Baldwin would never have sold out. He was true to himself. He was true to his soul. Now is in many ways the Baldwin moment, and that's primarily because we know here's somebody who's committed to intellectual integrity, committed to a moral honesty, end quote. Today we're going to be reading some of our favorite quotes from the book, and Jay will reflect on the words. Uh, this is a little, a little bit from the book. Quote, love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. I use the word love here not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or a state of grace, not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough and universal sense of quest and daring and growth. Jay. Thank you. Ah. So good to see all of you. It's 
to everyone that is here, to those in our virtual family, good to see you, and to, uh, of course, just this community. It is always good to be back in Minneapolis. If y'all don't mind, I'm going to let this love take off its mask. Um, I do it respectfully, um, and I'll do my best to stay on this side, David, because um, um, y'all know I'm a mover. <laughs> um, but love does take off the mask, right? Love takes off the mask. And I've been sitting with Baldwin for quite some time, not only as a study, but just recently, actually, this is past month, just been sitting with Baldwin uh, as an ancestor, um, if that's okay to say in this space, and, and invite my ancestor into the room. I, I got excited because what I started thinking about was the fact that fire next time is broken up into two parts. And one of the main parts that I really want to focus on today, and we'll talk about more next week, is this letter to his nephew. One would have to ask the question in this very theme of joy, what is joy and how do we identify it? And I particularly am coming with the lens talking about black joy. That does not mean that I exclude you from the joy. Trust me, we'll get to the cultural pluralism involved in that. But one of the things that's important to me in expressing this is because I grew up very similar to Baldwin. I grew up in church. I grew up in a tradition where you had elders and seasoned folk who maintained a sense of dignity and integrity when they would oftentimes step into congregational experiences. It was a, it was a public declaration to come into sanctuary. Just like many of you decided to truck through this wonderful snow that I have never experienced every time I come to Minneapolis, um, that actually could benefit some, from some fire next time to melt away. Uh, but in the end, you know, it comes to this, comes to a reality for me that I remember probably something regarding this theme and why I invite Baldwin is because the seasoned people in my tradition would often do this thing called testimony service. Testimony service was very unique because a few people would get up and speak however they felt, but they would often say, I'm so glad to be here today. I've got joy in my soul. They would, now this, this, it wasn't just what was said. I was often interested in what, how they looked. Watch this again. I'm so glad to be here today. I've got joy in my soul. If you probably catch a good look at my face, the countenance of it, there was nothing that looked or resonated with what we understood or possibly many of you would understand as joy. It often looked very like someone was sucking on a lemon, upset and busted and disgusted, as my mother would say, in the world. And that 
would be very uncomfortable. Somebody said, I got joy. I got great joy. Deep down joy. That, I believe Baldwin is coming from. And so when I thought about this, I said, it's because joy for the seasoned people in my tradition at one point was serious because it was critical. Joy was critical and it was fundamental for survival. So it was an act of resistance. The face that you saw is a face of don't mess with my joy. You didn't give it and I sure know you ain't gonna take it away from me, right? That's the kind of joy that some of them had because they had already experienced hardships that Baldwin was speaking about to his nephew. A few things I want to outline that Baldwin is pointing out here to his nephew is that he begins to talk about his, father, uh, his grandfather. And as Baldwin is sharing to his nephew about his grandfather, he reads uh, on page four, David, if you can't help me. Yeah. You may be like your grandfather. Well, he is dead. He never saw you, and he had a terrible life. He was defeated long before he died because at the bottom of his heart, he really believed what white people said to him. This is one of the reasons that he became so holy. He believed what white people said to him, and that's how he became holy. He was fortified by a system that ignored his circumstances. If we think about what joy is really capable of doing like it did for these old mothers, this man possibly did not have enough resistance. In Baldwin's case, Baldwin is pointing out here a very unique word that we would not necessarily use in our particular community, but defines that whiteness has the ability to give holiness, the dignity of it. That in some way, if one has a job, if one is in economical standing, if one is in educational good standing, classes and all these other things, it's a sense of being holy. But holy for who? Holy for who? I had to sit with this because I wanted to know what Baldwin was talking about, and I found something very unique on page eight for myself where he says, you were born where you were born, talking to his nephew, and face the future that you face because you were black and for no other reason. Baldwin did not pull back very transparent. The limits of your ambitions were and thus expected to be set forever. You were born into a society which spells out the, brut the brutal clarity and it as many ways as possible that you were worthless human being. Stark contrast to his uncle's holiness. Hard contrast to the inherent worth and the dignity 
It almost sounds like a discouraging letter, but Baldwin is coming from the antithesis because he has to give us an arching theme. The rainbow, black queerness. Let me talk to my nephew because I don't want you to be destroyed by fire next time. You were not expected to aspire to excellence. You were, not, you were expected to make peace with mediocrity. Wherever you have turned, James was his nephew's name, in your short time on this earth, you have been told where you can go, what you could do, and how you could do it, and where you could live, and whom you could marry. But this joy, this joy, this joy that Baldwin is trying to install, this joy of black dignity, this joy of black purpose, this joy of black possibility has to be met with so much obstacle in order to still smile again. But smiling is not in the face for many. Smiling is getting up in the morning knowing that I can make it day in and day out. As a person who has struggled with depression before in my own life, I realized smiling was not only an act, it was also sometimes just a pseudo-performance of my reality. I found it hard to smile because of the things I had gone through. So to wake up every morning was just a bit of a reach for joy. Sometimes it was just from even my grandmother today, I, I listen to her sometimes, and she'll, she'll have moments where she doesn't want to eat, but when she's able to eat, that's a moment of joy. To have an appetite is a moment of joy. It doesn't come in a rush. Sometimes it just comes in the measures of realizing our ability. Can we define joy for that moment that it is the measure of our ability? We're not all going to be in the same space. I should not espouse to you what it looks like for you to walk around and be happy. If you can't get up and dance today and, and job with me tomorrow, that's all right. Because the joy that you have, the joy that I have, I don't want to take it away from you. But I want to share in it with you. It's interesting because Baldwin invites us to another area of joy. And, I, and I've been talking for a moment about black joy, but can I share my joy with you? Because Baldwin is not, even though he's talking to his nephew, he's got to give him a reality. I give my, I, I look, I love my people all day, every day. Well, I love my black queer folk. I love them, I love them, I love them. And I know when I'm in these spaces, particularly white spaces, I've got to come in here and also show up. But I'm a representation also. But I'm not a monolith. I, don't get confused just because you see me. We still got work to do. 
right? There is no reason, he says on page eight, if you get a chance to read this book, I really promise you, you'll, you'll just, just the first chapters just does something for you. There is no reason for you to try to become like white people. I'll say that again for my online community. There is no reason for you to become like white people. And there is no basis whatever for their, for their assumptions that they must accept you. They really, they, oh, the really terrible thing, oh buddy, is that you must accept them. Baldwin makes it clear. The really terrible thing, oh buddy, is you must accept them. And I mean that seriously, he continues. You must accept them and accept them with love. If I can invite something in, this, in, in our movement as, as humanists, as intellects, let our love meet wisdom. We are very intelligent people. We have a real beautiful capacity to do this work. But if we can allow for our intellectual moments to also meet love, there's a great shift that can happen for most of us. For some people out here in Minneapolis, as things are shifting and changing, for that in the nation. For these innocent people, he says, have no other hope. That's a big claim. They are, in effect, still trapped in a history which they do not understand. And understanding it, they cannot be released from it. Why is this social justice work so hard? Because we're in a history. We're in a place where we cannot be released from it. We can remix it, learn new ways of how we're engaging with it. And my question that I keep asking is, where is our joy together? Baldwin tells me to accept you, love you, and do it seriously, like them old mothers. I want to share in a joy with you that does come off as resistance. I want to share in a joy that is also cultural pluralistic, where it's your joy and my joy working together to make change. I want to share in the moment where we're not I just win, but you win too. When you win, I win. And therefore, we know that in the spirit of Ubuntu, I am because we are. And we are because I am. What a beautiful philosophy, an exchange of humanity. And to share in each other's fate and experience. If anything that we should be about, we should be, be, we should be about relationship. There is no greater joy than having that. And I don't just mean if just, just, just getting in, some, you know, having a tea and having, get in relationship with yourself for a minute. Laugh at yourself. Dance with yourself. Create for yourself. 
Baldwin is reminding his nephew to do those things because prior, as I mentioned to you, he was already born as a problem. So how do you find joy when you are already considered a problem? I get it. I hear this echo of, 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 why, uh, of sometimes, well, I'm white, so I'm not a problem. But you're becoming a problem now. <laughs> That's the narrative. And now you're going to be like, damn, I don't want to be white. I don't want to be white. And damn, I don't have no rhythm. <laughs> damn, I don't cook food with good seasoning. There's, 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 you know, there's some stereotypes. There's some stereotypes. <laughs> I don't want to ask what Thanksgiving was like. <laughs> it's, but it's the reality that also, if I can share in the problem of injustice, trust me, I want to share in the joys with you. I want to get committed. I want us to get committed. David, what happens when we get committed? This is Baldwin speaking. To act is to be committed. And to be committed is to be in danger. In this case, the danger in the minds of most white Americans is the loss of their identity. Can you read that for the online community? I'm, I'm going to be old school about it. This, this is what we would have done in, in, back, back then. If you could read that for the online community again. Yep. To act is to be committed, and to be committed is to be in danger. In this case, the danger in the minds of most white Americans is the loss of their identity. The loss of identity. The real, that's the real commitment. That's a commitment. Emerging of you and I, working to figure out and define equity, equality. I mean, if you're liking what I'm saying, put a ring on it, right? That's what Beyonce says. I want you to get committed with me. I want you to get committed with me. I want you to make a commitment with me that we can, that we can work not on, only on focusing on, on oppression, systems of oppression, but can we, can we actually figure out systems of succession? I have done so much study focusing on systems of oppression, I began to wonder what does succession look like? Because if, we are, if we're going to talk constantly about how many ways we're wrong, can we talk about how many ways we can get in right relationship? I'm sure we got enough people in here who can offer their intellectual gravitas and help us figure out what does succession look like. If you've been winning this whole time, I guarantee you, you can make it. I don't have to keep coming through back doors for people. I don't have to be an afterthought of equity diversity and inclusion. I can be the joy that you actually share in. I can be the joy that we share in together. You can be my joy. So when I think about you, I can think about, I can think about David. 
I can think about Maxine. I can think about Jacob. I can think about Barb, Allison, Lena. I can think about them because they're in my community. We're sharing in joy. We're sharing the success of coming together as community, getting committed to each other, working together, collaborating, conversating. Doing, yes, I made up a word, and that's okay. That's what happens when you grow up around black folk. We say conversating. It's not conversing. It's conversating. <laughs> and we say it with joy, and we're happy about it. We know that we're right still. And you know what I meant. <laughs> right? That's the beauty of it. But check it. It's good to be committed, but can you be in danger with me? This is why I tell people, I'm not interested in allies. And I'm not interested technically in, 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 in accomplices. Now, I know everybody didn't probably look and like, well what, well, what are we supposed to be now? I'm interested in culprits. I'm interested in good troublemakers. People who really, really want to get committed to a place where they know that there's danger involved. When you really, you don't have a relationship because you're comfortable. You have a relationship because you're courageous. Courageous relationships last for a long time. Can I pick on a couple real fast? This couple in the front. How long have y'all been together? Come on, 52 years. We got to give a hand clap for that. Not everybody's having those kind of relationships. Has it always been comfortable? No, mm -mm. she looking and she knitting. She's like, mm -mm, no, honey. <laughs> because love is courageous. It's vulnerable. When I come here, I'm vulnerable. You're not going to get something suited up. I'm vulnerable. Just like that cold weather, mm-mm. <laughs> but I need your joy because it is my fire next time. I need the commitment because it's my fire next time. And it's not just the black joy. When I say that I'm sharing in black joy, I'm telling you I'm sharing in joy with you. Y'all know how black lives work. It's transcended. My ability to have joy is also your ability to share in my joy. So join me in a journey, in a commitment that is both dangerous, but that focuses on the succession of our community together. Our community here, our community in Minneapolis, It ain't time to take off masks yet, but I know underneath all those faces, there's a lot of love. So I thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.